Hey, it's great to be back in Barcelona and listening to the dummy room. You better keep listening, take it, Cliffy. This is the big time, girly. This is rock and roll. Hey everybody, you're in the dummy room. I'm Jody Havnot, joined as always by Nasty Nate, Demolition Menace, Tobels. Hey stranger, welcome back to Planet Earth, dude. How you doing? Pretty good, man. What's up? Missed you. Yeah, man. It's been a rough couple weeks, dude. Sickness yeah. came back around. Been sleeping a whole lot. <laughs> Got the corona, huh? Uh, yeah. It's like <laughs> the fucking PBR virus. But yeah, feeling a little better, man, you know. Good. Good. Um Yeah, so it's just been it's just been kind of fucked up. Like I thought I didn't think that we I didn't think this was going to happen this week, man. I thought we were done this week. I did too, man. <laughs> I really did. So we got uh, a couple weeks ago, we had to bail on Ronnie from the Muffs. We were going to talk to him. And then the next week came and we couldn't bail on him again. So I went uh, solo, solo mission again. And you know what? I mean, it, it wouldn't have been an issue to cancel with him again. He was, he was totally fucking cool. Um, and he wants to come back and do an album review or something. So yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, that'll be great. So before we uh, before we get to that little me and him, um, we got uh, uh, Mom's Basement Strikes Again, right? Another Passport 7-inch coming out. I like that Passport series. I do too, man. Uh, this time it's Lone Wolf and the Parasites. You know, you know you're going to love that just when you first hear about it. Two great bands. You know, how could you go wrong? Yeah. You kind of know what you're going to get from the Parasites. Yeah. I know what I'm getting from the Parasites every time, but I get really excited for Lone Wolf shit, man. That's true, man. You never really know what where they're going, you know? But it's always yeah. pleasing. Just not used to them yet, you know? Yeah. And some songs sound a little more old school. Some have that new kind of, what did we call Indie it? Indie rock yeah, yeah. thing. So you just never yes. know. But I liked these. I thought they were pretty good. So let's check one out. What do you want to do first? You want to do Lone Wolf or Parasites? Let's do Lone Wolf first since they're the newer. Let's save the classic Lone... for last. Save the classic for last. All right, let's do uh, Meet Me in the Middle by Lone Wolf.
Um, both both songs, man, are, are fucking great. So I was looking at the uh, today. I was looking at the uh, Passport series. Yeah. That thing started with, uh, of course, about a year's horror section. Yeah. And uh, Windowsill. I still think that's my favorite one, man. Of course, that's my favorite one. I'm not. Who the fuck am I lying to? <laughs> I love that record. That um, volume two was Neon Bone and Grim Deeds. Pretty good. And then number three was The Putts and The Proton Packs. It's a lot of peas. <laughs> that was another good one, though. That one's good. And then, of course, this one. So cool have so. you ever noticed i never noticed it but amber pointed it out to me the other day like at first glance of that new prompt at the beer run you know if you look yeah. it kind of looks like the dude's foot is his fucking dong hanging there believe it <laughs> have you noticed that at first glance uh, it just looks like instead of his foot but kind of running like it is it looks like his hangings <laughs> you know what i mean uh, I'm looking for it, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where it's positioned. <laughs> yeah, it does look like a dong. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking that it's on purpose. Um, prom dates. When they toured here, they toured with the Parasites, and they actually were the fucking Parasites. Yeah, they were Dave's backup band. That's so, cool. Yeah. Cool stuff. Speaking of Parasites, let's do another one. Okay. Should we do it? No yes. sleep tonight? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, I wanna know 
I don't even know when this comes out, man. You don't happen to know, do you? Nope. It's pretty soon. Soonish. <laughs> um, I think it's like in a week. So like probably next week, March sixth. March, yeah. Well, actually, yeah, so by the time that's hear... this week. Oh yeah, because we're yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but okay. but you know how that shit goes. It could be running late. So, uh, if you're listening to this, uh, go check out uh, Mom's Basement shit. Yeah. Maybe it's out. Who knows? <laughs> but it's coming soon. Yeah, very soon. <laughs> if not we, already. Uh, yeah, we're we're really uh going professional with this one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyways, man, um, let's get to it. Ronnie from the Moffs, cool guy, obviously from a, from a legendary fucking band. Yes. So uh, should we just do it? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, I'm here with the bass player from the Muffs, Mr. Ronnie Barnett. How you doing, dude? Hey, I'm doing okay. Thanks for thanks for having me along. Ah, dude, thank you for doing this, man. This is great. Um, of course, it's just us tonight. No, Jody have not. Jody, uh, Jody just couldn't make it. So good. You know, it's better without him. So <laughs> this this should be very smooth. You haven't heard the show before. It's not going to be better without him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ronnie, I totally want to get into all the Muffs talk and stuff, but if we can start back at the beginning, kind of like uh, the beginning of your musical career. Sure, yeah. You're from Houston, right? I am from Houston, Texas. And so wh- why'd you move out to L.A., man? What, were you in a, an aspiring rock and roller or what? No, no, what happened was um, <clears throat> um, I, had, I had played and I, I was influenced by the, uh, uh, the manager of the local record store where I used to hang out. Um, he played bass, so I was influenced to ask for a bass at age 13 Slap the bass. Um, which rarely happens kids want to play drums or guitar right um, <laughs> right so yeah i got a bass and i uh i ended up in a, a couple bands in high school and then i kind of gave it up i, I wasn't like I, and i'm still this way I, I wasn't the kind of person to like scour one ads and go try out and try to meet people i just kind of fell into my high school bands and then when i fell out of them i thought oh if something good comes along then then I'll do it. And uh, so uh, actually, I became after high school, I became a, uh, a writer. I became one of the music editors at our local Houston weekly paper. Uh, it was called Public News. And I, that was this is in the uh, late 80s. And um, I thought that's what I would do. I was like, wow, I can I'm actually OK at writing and I can get in shows for free and I can uh, talk to Sonic Youth and, and get free records and, you know, <laughs> cool. this is fantastic. I thought that that's just what I would do. Um, and I had met Kim in 86 when she was on tour with the Pandoras coming through Texas and we kind of bonded as friends. Um, and I made a trip out here in 86 to uh, stay with my brother like a month and me and Kim, it really c- cemented our friendship. It was not romantic at that time. We just became friends and, uh, so we stayed in touch, you know, over the next three years and, you know, called each other on the phone and sent each other packages and, you know, I don't want to sound like a documentary, but, you know, it's before the internet or email. So it was, you know, you actually had to work to kind of communicate with somebody. Um, and so we stayed in touch. And then I, I saw her again in 89. Um, same deal. They kind of rolled through town and I came to Los Angeles and, and that's when it became romantic. So I kind of just decided to drop everything in Houston and move out here. It was all for, it was all for love. 
So uh, I moved her in 89 and yeah, I wasn't, she was still in the Pandora. So that wasn't, I still didn't know I was going to end up in a band at that point. So that's what brought me out here. So I've seen interviews with Kim where, where she would say that she wanted to start a band because she wasn't hearing um, enough cool songs. Um, so was was she writing songs at that point when she was in the Pandoras? Or, I mean, did anybody know, did you know that she had such an awesome voice? Um, I knew she had a voice. You know, she was, she was um, at that point, she'd already, like, written a lot of songs on her, you know, she had a four-track recording machine. And, um, you know, to be honest, um, you know, the, the, she made these recordings, you know, generally in the middle of the night. So she wasn't, like, screaming and, you know belting it out um <laughs> yeah I'll scare so, people and shit no that kind of that that kind of came out of her as we started kind of practicing and, and stuff she uh yeah she she didn't write songs for the pandoras and they went through their kind of changes and stuff and she wasn't happy with the direction of the band so um she was talking about wanting her own band yeah before she was out of the pandoras had stuff on tape i remember hurt me and her um going and auditioning this drummer down in garden grove somewhere don't know what happened to him but we did not <laughs> end up playing with him but um yeah she always had this dream to start her band and um you know pandora's at that point were kind of heavy metal and they'd lost their audience uh, you know they weren't playing to anybody here um what happened was they had a trip uh their book to go to europe and that week paula uh, canceled the trip because her boyfriend couldn't go. So at that point, Kim was like, you know, can I cuss on here? Yep. Kim said, Kim said, fuck them. I quit and, uh, and, and quit. We'll have our own band. And, um, you know, at that point, you know, when I, when I moved out here, um, Kim and Melanie were kind of best friends. And so I fell in, you know, me and Kim fell in being best friends with Melanie and her husband, Larry. And so, yeah, Ma Ma uh, Melanie had had gotten kicked out of the Pandora's a month before Kim quit because they didn't need keyboards anymore. So uh, Kim kind of just yeah helped helped show her some stuff on the guitar and 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 we had songs ready to go and we were practicing like literally a month after she quit the band. So it was very quick. Tell me about some of those early practices. Was that sound that uh, that classic Muff sound was that obvious right from the beginning? Uh, it, it kind of was. In fact, I hate to point people to this cause I kind of hate that it exists, but there's an early practice of ours, um, up on YouTube. Um, I don't know what it's listed under. <laughs> I, we'll find it. We formed in kind of like the fall of 1990. So, um, Ronnie bondage. Oh, Ronnie. Ronnie bondage. Anyway, so we used to practice at Dave, Dave Nasworthy's house from the chemical people. And, um, cool. Yeah. This early practice exists. And, and, uh, you know, the, the, the elements are there the, the screaming was, was there. Um, and the Kim's, you know, guitar style was there from the beginning. And, um, you know, a lot of those songs, a lot of the songs we still played throughout our whole career. Yeah, those early records are so awesome, man. Uh, the first 7-inch Guilty is a fucking classic.
Yeah, well, that's that's actually technically the second one. The first one is I Don't Like You um, and New Love. Oh, um, okay. On Sympathy, but we recorded it. We recorded the Guilty one at the same time, so they they kind of came out. They came out, you know, one after the other, and we're we're recorded at the same time. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, we stopped playing. I don't like you know some of that stuff sounds kind of dated to me at this point, but <laughs> but you know, it could be worse. It could be more. You know, like it doesn't sound like a record from like '86. It sounds really dated. So yeah. <laughs> Those early records, man, they're 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 kind of raw, you know. Yeah, they just no, kind of hit you right in the I face. Mean, the first thing we did on a record was on a um, a compilation that Nardwar the Human Serviette put together, and we recorded it on Kim's four track at the practice space. So that's a song called "Get Me Out of Here." Um, so that one's really loud and fuzzy. We were very loud and fuzzy in the beginning. I mean, uh, after shows, I would feel dirty. I like I would need a shower just because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, things are so chaotic and dirty and messy and but uh, underneath all that we did have songs. So So what kind of stuff were you guys listening to that that kind of pushed you in that uh rock and roll or punk rock direction? Um I mean as far as me, I mean I listened to, you know, I was fully into the sub pop bands and stuff at that time and um you know, and other stuff too. Kim Kim I got to say throughout her Throughout her whole life, she she liked very little. Like she did not, she didn't listen to a whole lot. She she kind of liked what she liked. She liked stuff that was like um, '60s kind of Mersey beat songwriting, and um, you know, she she and and like you kind of said before, like she wrote songs kind of because she wasn't hearing songs that she liked, and that's that that is true. Um, she wasn't hearing those kind of melodic you know, songs. If you break down our songs, even those early ones, I mean, they're, they're like Freddie the Dreamer songs, only just kind of revved up and, uh, uh very revved with Johnny up. Johnny yeah. Thunder's leads on them and stuff. Um, you know, but underneath there, it's, 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 it is classic kind of songwriting. So, um, I can tell you at the time, um, we both liked, and this is kind of stuff that's never talked about, but we liked, uh, bands like the primitives, um, who were very poppy and melodic, but had a fuzzy guitar. Um, you know, um, so I, I'd say that's kind of an unsung kind of band that we were influenced by. Yeah. Being from LA at that time that, uh, you know, the hard rock scene was so huge. Must've been kind of weird for, uh, for a band like the Muffs. Yeah. Well, well, Kim had to skirt that scene a little bit in the Pandoras. They, they, during their metal years, they, they, did get on some bills with those bands and they went over terrible. You know, they did. <laughs> no one liked them, but um, you know, if Paula had had her way, they would have been, they would have been cruising the strip and playing Kazaris as well. They tried, you know, they wore bustiers <laughs> and, you know, had big hair. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wore a lot of makeup. So. Yeah. I saw him play on the, uh, the Arsenio Hall show. Oh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, uh, bad looks. And that's actually that—that that was like a test show. That was that was actually a show before Arsenio had his first episode. So it's kind of cool that's up. It, it never actually huh. aired at the time. Yeah, I guess I didn't know so. that. I just saw it on YouTube. No, most no most people don't know, probably don't know that. But I, I, I like to fill in the blanks a little bit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you guys signed to Warner Brothers like relatively early, right? We did. No, no, we we were we were talking to Warner Brothers. Um, like 10 months after our first show. And um, 
and and that's about the time those first two singles came out too and um so we had actually signed with them before our sub pop single came out uh they just let us do it um and i'm kind of proud of this when we signed we uh we didn't have anything on tape we didn't have any we didn't have any management any lawyer any like demo on tape like none of that stuff and so um when they signed us, they originally signed us to a demo deal. So we had to go into Sound City, which is now famous because of the movie, um, yeah. and record four songs in three days. And, you know, and two of those versions actually made the first record. So, um, yeah, it's really I'm kind of proud of us and the fact that we we were discovered just organically. And, you know, none of that L.A. Hollywood bullshit where bands have business people before they even play a gig you know that kind of thing like we we were found um our a&r guy actually went to the coconut teaser to see a band called trash can school and we were opening (laughs) and um we're the ones who got the record deal yeah so it was kind of that era right sub pop bands were getting signed and you guys had a sound and had a look and yeah yeah well i mean well i guess we had a look we had the goods too i mean but yeah this was the um (laughs) this was the post nirvana you know, feeding frenzy where, um, you know, a lot of, um, I don't want to say indie is the wrong word, but a lot of bands like us were, were getting signed and, um, totally, you know, I, I'm just, I feel lucky we signed to the right label. Um, because, uh, a lot of those bands came and went with one record or, or two records and, you know, um, all that said, you know, our records on Warner brothers, like have never been out of print, which is quite, quite amazing to me um that's awesome because most of the other bands uh that were signed to the label like bands like babes in toyland and mud honey long out of print even l7 um you know so the label um you know you hear horror stories about major labels and whatnot but um they seem to really promote you guys you know you you did soundtracks and and videos and a snapple commercial yeah uh i mean uh don't give the label credit for all that um (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no no we had a we had a fine time being on a major label. Yeah. None of that, none of that stuff you hear about where, 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 where they turn down records or, uh, where, where they say they don't hear any hits and write more songs and, you know, bring in outside producers. you know, some, some of this was to our detriment as well, but, but for better or worse, we were able to do what we wanted, make the decisions we wanted to make. And, you know, that's why the records, besides some stuff on the first album, do kind of sound a, 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 like timeless. Um, oh, are you there? Oh, there you are. Uh, yeah, so, um, sorry, the screen went blank. I'm sure those listening will, will be real interested in that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they left us alone. And, and you know, all that said, I mean, our, our second record, Blonder and Blonder, is the one that got the big push because that was like the post-Green Day record. And... and um, you know, Green Day signed, this is all, you know, well uh, covered in Green Day books as well, but they signed to the label um, after being fans of our record, and they signed with our A&R guy, um, and had our producer, had our booking agent, had our management, they took on all these people that we had, and, you know, then they hit it out of the park with Dookie, so, so Blonder came after that, and that's why we switched to Reprise, and, you know, that's why that was kind of our big swing if you will we had the sixty thousand dollar video and you know damn 60 grand spent 150 grand making that record and and <laughs> you know um 
Yeah, that's my favorite favorite Muffs album, uh, hands down, Blonder and Blonder. Yeah, uh, the no, songs I mean, are great, the production's great. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I mean that is our most celebrated record. It sold the most, and yeah, um, you know, let's face it, the, the heart of that record made up the, our set list for the rest of our career. You know, it's that record. Yeah, uh, yeah, defines us. You know, to a certain extent. So, hey, and it's it's a fine record. I'm, I'm not complaining, but. Hey, before we get too far away from the first record, uh, yeah. just wondering, uh, what's your favorite song on that record? Oh, God. Because uh, that record to us is is just, uh, it's full of hits. Yeah, no, I mean, that that record, I mean, that's a perfect example of what I was just saying about them letting us do what we wanted. I mean, we we, we recorded all this crap, and, and it all made the record. I mean, like, <laughs> so it's got the Angry Samoans cover on there, and it's got that that dumb little 30 second instrumental that I wrote uh, <laughs> that I used to play when I was like bored with hearing people talk and practice, um, you know, so for better or worse, it's all on that record. But uh, um, off the top of my head, I should have figured this would happen. I, I always forget what songs are on our records. Um, Sorry, this is what no, we no, do. it's okay. I, you know, I, I'm going to go with every single thing. Um, I'm always drawn to the, just the pure power pop songs. Um so I'm going to say that one, but um, there's lots of great songs on that record. Um, you know, if I do say so myself, I can't say because I didn't write them. Um, <laughs> you know, from people love from your girl, uh, you know, Lucky Guys. And I, I remember when Kim brought Lucky, Lucky Guy was like in our in Kim's second wave of kind of writing songs for the band. And I remember just like being astounded at that when she brought that in, like, like, wow, where did this come from? Um, you know, there were songs that, that, uh, again, I don't think I've aged well, like better than me. And um, but you know, who knows? Somebody likes that song somewhere, so I shouldn't say anything. I love it. Uh, but <laughs> my my choice is uh, "Baby Go Round." It's just just timeless. Yeah, yeah. And even uh, even on that first record, when we were like very loud and volatile, we still end with a little soft, little nice number, all for nothing. So. Yep, you guys did that. And hey, we had we had Corla Pandit play on that record, so. If you don't know who he is, people look him up. He plays on our first record. It's pretty amazing. They're looking it up right now. <laughs> I know, exactly. Give them time. I think I heard in an interview once that um, Kim wanted you to write songs. She didn't want to be the only songwriter in the band. Is that true? Oh, she would say that. She said that to the very end. She'd be like, you should write songs. I'd be like, you know, you know what, Kim? Songwriting's a thing you either have or you don't. You know, you obviously have it. No one wants to hear songs by me. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, she does. This is what drags a lot of bands down, the whole collaborative thing. You know, like um, this This happened to my wife's band, uh, Cub, my ex-wife's band, Cub. Uh, you know, Lisa wrote all the songs in the beginning, great songs. Then the other members started to have, have to have their songs on there. And uh, the records suffer for it. So... Definitely. So our audience should be happy that I'm to terms with my status and don't uh, feel the need to <laughs> <laughs> write songs or attempt to write songs. Yeah, it's just, you know, I, I know people can study songwriting and learn things about structure and whatever. But, you know, again, I think it's something you're either born with or, or not. And Kim certainly was born with it. So, yeah, I, I, I'm under no illusion the fact that we lasted, you know, 29 years and 27 active years was because really of the songs, you know? So you ever go back and, and listen to some of those albums and, and just be in awe of, uh, of how great those songs were. 
No, I do because, um, like probably most people in bands, it's not like you sit around listening to records you made, you know. And um, yeah, and and you know, it, it actually it happened with um, our second to last most recent. I, I, Whoopty Doo just got repressed, right? So I, I was mm-hmm. listening to it the other day, and I hadn't heard it in, in six years. And um, I was like, man, there's some really good songs on here. Like, <laughs> like I don't know how good a record this is, but it, there's some really good songs on here. So. Yeah, and that happens with yeah, that's the kind of forgotten. You know, I know we're kind of going chronological, but when we get to Alert today, I mean, that's kind of our dark horse record. But I mean, it really has some some of our best songs, I think, and and it's songs we kind of forgot about and stopped playing. But you know, yeah, there's there's kind of gems sprinkled throughout. And yeah, I can I can sit back as a fan. I'm a fan first and foremost. So yeah, the the whole catalog is great. Let's talk about Alert Today, Alive Tomorrow real quick. I've always had one question. Um, when I got Hamburger, what song is it that uh, – I'm having a complete <laughs> malfunction here. Um, what song is it that you guys um, got uh, C.C. DeVille from Poison to play on? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he recorded uh, like a, a little lick for it. He recorded – yeah, it's a song <laughs> called Silly People. and uh, That's right, yeah. Yeah, but we did a version of it before Alert Today and um, – yeah, this filmmaker, Julian Nitzberg, who uh, has gone on to do uh, stuff. This film actually was never released. But, um, yeah, he had the idea to put us in the studio with, with C.C. DeVille. And um, so we, we recorded our song, and then we went and um, met C.C. and got along, like, immediately. Like, he was – C.C. was amazing at this point. He, he was sober and, you know, very self-deprecating and liked what we were doing and and and, and – yeah, he would make jokes about himself, like, yeah, you know, I, I had the right influences, like New York Dolls and something from the turntable to me. It just filtered into poison. I don't know what happened. Like, you know, he'd say stuff like that, which was really funny. And, um, and yeah, like, uh, if you listen to Hamburger, and um, I think it made the revamp Hamburger, which is called Caboodle, um, you can hear us doing our song Silly People and C.C. DeVille playing these kind of butt rock licks on the uh, intro <laughs> and the solo.
It sounds great, though. <laughs> and, uh, it, it, Kim even says, take a seat. No, it makes me laugh and smile every time I hear it. I, I think it's fan. I'm so glad that we did that. And um, and I got to say, we were kind of friends with CC for a while there. And, and after that, he came to see us and stuff. And he had a band called Samantha 7. And I don't want to say uh, it was – I don't want to come out and say it was Muffsy, but I think we – I think we had a lawsuit. I think we could have sued him <laughs> over this. Like it was, there were some direct lifts on that record, which is, you know, fine. But yeah, I, I don't want to take all the credit, but uh, he, I think we influenced him a little bit. Yeah. He played around so. here with that band and I never went and saw him or, or listened to him. Go figure. Yeah. It's okay. If you see that, that CD in the dollar bin, it's worth a dollar. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> nice. So. We did a we did an episode about our favorite album art recently, and I love the Blonder and Blonder cover. That's you know that '60s kind of thing to it. But um, you guys always had cool artwork. Yes. Who was um who was coming up with all the artwork ideas? I mean, we all kind of like that kind of sensibility, but but you know, uh, Kim. I mean, Kim worked on the uh, Whoopty Doo one. That's her photo, and and you know we always like those kind of '60s lettering and stuff um on on blonder we worked with a uh you know that was a that was a cool thing about working the major label you'd have like eight grand for just the artwork you know um <laughs> so we worked with this woman jerry hyden who um is like a giant as far as graphic design in, in the industry like before blonder she did the graphics for like um van halen's balance and like you know Johnny Cash, like, 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 you know, just, she's the real deal. You know, like she laid out Madonna album covers and stuff. Um, so yeah, we actually worked with, with her and we all got along. We all kind of, you know, we told her what we liked. She had her idea to hire that, um, the photographer again, I should have the records in front of me. So I remember everybody's name, but, um, that photographer is like a fashion photographer. Um, and, and Yeah. We, we just, you know, uh, that, that was kind of cool. That was kind of cool to collaborate on that kind of things. Cause like we'd say what we liked and then 
the graphic designer would, would have ideas and then bring out like portfolios and, you know, and, and that happened with, um, happy birthday to me too. Um, you know, that, the, that, like that graphic with the angel on the back and, and the stuff on the inside. I mean, that, that was stuff that this, this guy, Oh God, again, I should know his name. Um, Bernard something. He was like a heavy cat who designed stuff in the fifties and sixties. And we took that stuff straight from his portfolio. Like he, I don't think we changed anything. So, um, you know, and then, and then the photographer of happy birthday, um, is the same guy again? I don't know his name. Who did the all did the replacements all shook down cover that cover with the dog on the cover? Oh yeah, same, same photographer. Which I didn't learn that until we did the reissue. So I that's went, awesome. <laughs> I went twenty years without knowing that was the same guy. But um, yeah, uh, that's just that's how we did those. Now, now, now when we got Andy, like things like Whoopty Do, that was more kind of hands on, and Kim working with you know a graphic guy, and and you know. Ultimately, Kim, you know, was going to have the final say, um, you know, and that's for a lot of reasons. First off, she felt most strongly about it. And second, like, you know, it wasn't worth arguing <laughs> and, and they came out okay for the most part. So, so you've, uh, you've mentioned a, a couple of things here that have reminded me that we got to do something here. You want to play a little game? Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. This is why you love the beach. It is your happy place. Nothing can go wrong here. Hey, this is Perry from Travoltas. You're listening to The Dummy Room. This was actually uh, Jody's idea. This is... Uh... A little game of uh, this or that. <laughs> okay. That's what we're going to do. Uh, you ready? Okay. Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Uh, Beatles. Do I have to say why or do I just pick? Uh, you don't have to. Uh, you can do whatever you want. Um, I go Beatles. I'm not even a Beatles guy, but I really don't like the Rolling Stones at all. Oh, interesting. Interesting. This is like on Sammy. This is like, like on the Sammy Hagar show. He, he kind of does something like this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> oh, yeah? go ahead. Well, well, that's ironic because the next one is uh, Van Halen or Van Hagar. Um, Van Halen, <laughs> but I do want to qualify that by saying, like, Sammy gets the – he takes the fall for those Van Hagar years, but but don't blame him. Eddie Van Halen wrote all that shitty music. It was the 90s. Van Halen would have – they would have started sounding like that even with Roth. So, But I'm going to go Van Halen. Yeah, I'm going, uh, I'm going Van Halen too. Uh Elvis Presley or Elvis Costello? Ooh, that's a good one. I, I, I'm i going to go Elvis Costello just because it's, you know, I I listen to him a lot more than I listen to Elvis Presley. Uh, I go uh, I go Elvis Presley. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, got to go with the king, man. All right, uh, Neil Diamond or Neil Sedaka? <laughs> that's actually a hard one for me. <laughs> um, wow. Um I guess I will go with Neil Diamond just for sheer body of work. Yeah, I think you're right. That was tough. That that was tough for me though. I like Neil Sedaka. I always hated Neil Diamond growing up because my parents would have Neil Diamond records and, and Kenny Rogers and the Carpenters and whatnot. And man, I just always hated that stuff. Nope. I, I, I exact same way. I, I grew up my parents playing Neil Diamond A tracks and I couldn't stand them. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, here's a fun one. Uh Kiss 
or the New York Dolls? Kiss. Kiss. Yeah, I knew you were a Kiss fan, so I, I knew where you were going to go with that one. No, no, if you're going to, yeah, if you're going to put Kiss against anything, I'm going to pick Kiss. Yeah! Kiss above everything else. Yeah! All right, so, uh, so what's your favorite Kiss record? Um, that's a good question. Um, you know, it wasn't always this way, but, but, you know, now that I've settled down at my age, I, I, the first one, but, uh, other than that, I would pick rock and roll over. Cool. I go, uh, dress to kill and rock and roll over. Nope. Yep. Yep. Here's a good one. Uh, the Ramones or the Sex Pistols? Ooh, that's a good one too. Uh, I'm going to go Ramones. Yeah. Uh, again, sheer body of work and... You know, I listen to them a lot more than the Sex Pistols still. So, yeah, Ramon's rule. Okay, how about uh, how about the replacements or Husker Du? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, it is. I mean, Husker Du was my favorite band when they were around. I remember I didn't know what they looked like, and they were my favorite band. Um, <laughs> and then you saw them, and they weren't your and favorite. And then I saw anymore. them, though, and I'm like, wow, a guy with a wax mustache. Very, very strange. Um, I'm gonna go replacements just because I think they've aged better. The music. Yeah, I'm a yeah. I'm a big replacements fan, so gotta go replacements. Yeah. Okay. Um. How about uh, Motley Crew or Cutting Crew? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one too. I'm not a huge fan of either one. Um. Uh. But I will take Motley Crew over Cutting Crew. Yeah, I think Cutting Crew only had that that one song. I just died in your arms. Tonight. I mean, it's all we can both remember. Though I did see them open for the Bangles uh, in 1986. So. All right. Well, here you go. Uh, the Go Go's or the Bangles? Um. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to offend uh, anybody. Ah, uh, uh, this one's easy, man. The Go Go's. So I, I have friends. I have friends in both bands. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, you know, I I will say I will say Go Go's just because I now think they've aged better. But I was a huge Bangles fan back in the day, like huge, huge. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. But they're they're kind of neck and neck for me. But I, I guess I think I'm gonna pick Go Go's. We did an episode about the Go Go's uh, last year, I think. Oh, nice, nice. All right, here's some uh, non-musical ones. Okay. Uh, Cheecher Chong. <laughs> I only ask that because I know one of your first records was a Cheech and Chong record. <laughs> yes. yes, it was. Uh, I'm going to go with Chong. <laughs> oh, yeah? Um, <laughs> I, I can relate to his character more. All right. Um, uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Um, and and I don't give two shits about either I, I, one of these. So Yeah, yeah. No, same here. I was going to say I'm not really a sci-fi person. I only saw Star Wars 1. Um, uh, oh, oh, and then I saw the the first prequel because Grant Lawrence from the smugglers wanted to go to a movie in Hollywood. Um, I'm going <laughs> to cool. say Star Trek just because of the original one. The, the series is kind of campy and stuff. And I can kind of, I can kind of enjoy that. Um, so, I, I go yeah. Star Wars, but I, I don't really care. Okay. Yeah. I, I get, I get bored when they're in space, like just, you know, fighting and you know, it's all fast action. Uh, Brady bunch or Partridge family. Oh, that's a good one too. I'm gonna to say Brady Bunch just because I think uh, yeah. quality wise, it's a, it's a little better. You know, I've 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 yeah. never seen the Partridge Family. Oh really? I mean, I know what it is. I know what they look like. I, I've I've seen it on TV, but sure. I, I've never actually sat and watched an episode. But I've seen all the Brady Bunch episodes. Yeah, man. I oh grew yeah, up yeah. With that I mean, stuff. we we all grew up on the Brady Bunch, and I, yeah, it's 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 better made. Partridge Family, you you would you would enjoy though. All right, here's a here's a big one. Uh, Corey Feldman or Corey Haim. <laughs> um wow um well i'm gonna go feldman just because i really appreciate his his act these days and uh yeah i gotta go with the feld too you know i i, I admire him for doing it and 
you know. <laughs> yeah. Even though even though Corey Haim made my favorite VHS tape of all time. Um, oh, yeah? What's that? Which is this, this video of him. Uh, God, what's it called? It, anyway, it's just like him just doing stuff around the house and looking sexy. and Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just about just about him. All right. The last two are uh, a little more muffs related. Okay. Um, yeah. We got Clueless or Angus. <laughs> you were on both soundtracks. Uh, what's it going to be? Yeah. Uh, Clueless. Easy. Clueless all the way. Um, I know people do it. But Angus has uh, endured though. People, people still watch. I still hear from people that, that watch and like Angus, but yeah, clueless. Angus had a, uh, had a pretty cool soundtrack too. Yeah, no, it, it, it did though. We're, you know, we're buried on that one. Whereas clueless were the opening track and, uh, yeah, you know, opening of the movie and I got a platinum record here for it. So yeah. Yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with clueless. Okay. Last one. Uh, Pixies or Pandora's. Um, uh, that, I mean, the Pixies. <laughs> Pixies, I mean, the, for the, sure. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the original Pixies records, I mean, you know, when the Pixies came out, I mean, there was nobody that sounded like them. I mean, those those early records of the Pixies are, are unbelievable. So, Let me ask you about the Pixies thing. Um, what did you think when Kim joined? Um, I, it, it's funny, because um, Roy and Kim, though, I have a hard time keeping a secret, and um, <laughs> so Kim... <laughs> Kim had told Roy, I mean, because Kim was in the Pixies about eight months before they even announced it. And um, I remember we had this meeting, just the three of us, and like Kim's like, okay, I'm in the Pixies, so here's what's going to happen with our record, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You're in the Pixies? <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'm in the Pixies. So anyway, uh, blah, 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 you know. <laughs> and I knew her and um, her and Charles, uh, which is Black Francis. Um, yeah. I knew they had become uh, friends and Kim had started kind of opening some solo shows that, that he was doing. Um, uh, but, but, uh, yeah, you know, I was, I was surprised and I wasn't surprised when she joined the band. Um, you know, and, and that said, we, we had just, we had just completed whoop de doo And so it kind of, it kind of put us back a year, uh, from that. So, um, when she joined, I think she didn't realize that, that the Pixies were going to want to tour for the next year and a half. So, so she did like she did like three months straight touring with them before they, you know, fired her or whatever. But but they were they she got an itinerary before they let her go that was like the whole next year. And um, I remember her uh, saying after it was all said and done, like um, that she looked at it and she was thinking like I, I don't know how I'm going to pull this off just because, you know, while while it was like you know, touring on that level is like a well-oiled machine and they're playing, they're staying in nice hotels and flying first class and playing nice theaters. Um, it was not, uh, and I'm speaking for her at this point, but, uh, it was not, it was not that much fun for her. Um, because, uh, she didn't have a lot of friends in the organization and, and, and two of the guys were, were not so nice to her. So, um, you know, um, it's kind of cool. She got to do that for a while and kind of experience that. And, you know, she made it on some big TV shows and the cover of the new musical express and stuff. And, um, you know, but that, that whole thing about her getting kicked out for stage diving. Yep. Yeah. The manager was mad at her about that, but it's not why she got cut. She got kicked out. I mean, she got kicked out cause the other guys were, were kind of dicks to be honest. 
Yeah, she was uh, she was more famous than they were. And I and I mean the other guys, <laughs> not not Charles, not Black Francis, the other guys. So um, Charles takes a hit on that being the band le- band leader, but um, you know, there, there's a story that uh, that uh, one time on the on the tour, Charles took uh, the, their longtime roadie aside and was like, "Look, I just have to tell somebody this." Like Dave came up to me and said, "Look, I've been in the band 20, 28 years, and she's getting more attention than me." So that kind of sums it up, right? That kind of yeah. Jeez. So yeah, it was fun for her, but I mean that was gonna. Yeah, that was going to fall apart anyway. So, you know, Kim, Kim's too much of an extrovert. She's, you know, <laughs> Kim likes being Kim, you know, she wasn't going to be like just some side person, you know? So, and that said, I don't know if you've seen clips. I mean, she was great in the band. I remember the first time I saw them, they did a special like private show at the echo here. And I was like, blo- I got the chills. I was blown away. I mean, when, when they, when Kim came over the harmony to bone machine, I mean, it was really good. So I was very proud of her, but, um, it was weird for me. Um, you know, not that we are working that hard, you know, at that point, you know, but you know, still we did have a new record that we wanted to put out, but <laughs> anyway, I, I think, I think that all kind of helped when whoop doo came out because we had that Pixies thing, you know, and the first record in 10 years thing. So it kind of got you know, Burger Records was hot at that point, so it did get some attention. That record. Yeah, I remember when it was announced. It seemed like it was everywhere. Uh, Kim from the Muffs joins the Pixies. I guess it would be irritating to the other two guys in the band that nobody <laughs> knew, and you know, she comes and gets all this attention. Yeah, yeah. It seems like uh, that would have been a, a good spotlight for the Muffs too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it it didn't hurt us. That's for sure. Especially being as short as it was. So. So what did you do when the Muffs took those long breaks, like the 10 years between Really, Really Happy and whoop de doo Were you doing anything musically? Um, no. I mean, I mean, you know, the Muffs has always been my band. I, I'm, you know, I'm not, a friend of mine put it this way recently, which I liked. He was like, you're, you know, I'm, that, that I, I'm not like the bass, I'm not the bass player in the Muffs. I like, I'm in the Muffs and I played bass, you know, and there's a difference. Like, yeah, because we that. were really like a family, you know, we knew each other so long and, and, and stuff. And, um, you know, I always thought of myself as a musician kind of secondary. So, so, you know, when you break that down that 10 years, it's not really 10 years because we toured after really, really happy. And we ended up taking about three and a half years off, but it wasn't planned. Um, and then we came back and we started going to, Spain and stuff. So we actually did work for about five years before whoop doo came out too. Um, so, you know, uh, at that point we were, you know, we figured out we're established enough where we can travel around and not need a new record, which is kind of what bands do now. Like, you know, you see these same bands, REO Speedwagon, you know, every summer tours, <laughs> they don't have a new, record. I don't you see REO I mean? Speedwagon. Like, yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm just uh, they were the handy example I thought of. I don't know why. Um, so yeah, we figured out we could still kind of get around and do these little fly-in things, go to the East Coast, do four dates, you know. Um, so it's kind of what we did from that point on. Um, so we worked steadily, you know, from, let's see, whoop do doo came out in 04. We, we, we worked steadily from 99 until, um, you know, uh, 2017, uh, yeah, whatever the year was, Kim got sick. So, 
So I think I heard this before. I'm not sure if it was in an interview or just from somebody that um you your whole time in the Muffs you played the same bass like the first bass you ever got. Yeah, is that, that true? That story I told earlier about my uh, asking my my father for a bass at age 13. It's the very same bass. Um, cool. He gave me the Fender a Fender Precision, and I and I I've owned another. I have another Fender Precision. I had a, I had a tele, Fender Telecaster bass for a while. I just I've never found another one that sounded as good as this one. Like I I really kind of made it for life with that thing. And I and I'm not you know yeah I'm not a guy who collected basses or you know I'm not like a I'm not into a gear and equipment you know as far as amps if it's like low and loud then it's fine with me i mean i i I don't play through pedals like i don't even play through a tuner like i will i will unplug the amp during a show like and plug into the tuner to tune like that's how low tech i am so um yeah for whatever reason that's just that's just how i'm built like i don't even like a guitar stand like a I'd have to explain when we go to Japan. Japan's always got like the best equipment and stuff. I'd have to explain like, don't put my bass on a guitar stand. I like to take it off the top of the amp when I walk on. You know, I just, I don't know. I, I just that's, I, I'm not trying to prove anything or, or you know that's just but that's just how I'm built. I'm just, uh, yeah. But yeah, same bass. I put every mark on that thing for better or worse. I used to throw it around a lot in the '90s when. When, when, you know, during the grunge years, but, um, it survived, it's been repaired a lot of times, but, um, still the, uh, that's still my, that's still my base always will be. So that's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I mean, uh, people have borrowed it to record with. I mean, that's, it's not just me. So, and it's really like, they built them really heavy. Like I've ruined my back, you know, on my, on my left side from wearing that thing. Like it's super heavy. Um, but it sounds good. So. so so let me ask you this. Uh, I've seen a lot of interviews with you guys, and there's so much fun to watch, man. Um, you know, like between you and Kim and Roy, um, the, the personalities just kind of come together. <laughs> it's it's like you guys are competing at times to see uh, yeah. who can be the most immature and then and then who can be the, who can be an adult. <laughs> um, it's hilarious. You guys seem to be uh, like the best of friends and, and I'm sure you were. Um, Maybe maybe that's why you were around for almost thirty years, right? But even on stage, you know, I watch the videos and and I've seen you guys live. Sometimes you and Kim, the the banter between you two was just so unbelievable. No, no, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm almost prouder of that than like the music, because um, we we were we were like best friends, and like you know that said, of course, we had our knew how to piss each other off at times too. And you know, that things aren't great all the time, but um, yeah. And, and, and me and Kim's banter on stage. I mean, like we never repeated stuff from show to show. Like we're not like social distortion. Okay. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, and I'm proud of that too. Like, uh, you know, like we, and, and some nights we were really on and, and there, there'd be nights where like, you know, they'd be like, we, we only have a 35 minute set and Kim would say, okay, we won't talk. And I'd be like, no, no, we have to talk. Like we, that's part of the, that's part of the act. Um, you know, uh, and yeah, it, we really got to where we really were, were consistent with being on and that, that the last, like that last 10 years of the band, like, um, all the shows, I'm not saying we were great every night, but they were all big love fests with the audience. Like, like the people there love the band and, um, and, and the, 
the the banter between us was was generally always you know entertaining for us as well as everybody else and and, and we were the same in foreign countries where they didn't understand us too so just <laughs> though we would we would learn how to say things like big dick and, and stuff in the, <laughs> nice. in the language you know for to get those laughs but um you know ronnie has diarrhea tonight in japan in japanese you know that kind of stuff but uh uh Michael Jackson is Steiner Kinderficker. That used to kill, even when Michael was alive uh, in Germany. Um, uh, but, you know, yeah, we would still talk, and even if it was just to entertain ourselves, um, yeah, that's really a part of the band that I'm proud of. I, 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 I would love to compile a, a, one of those talking records, like uh, having fun on stage with Elvis. Elvis Presley has a record like that. It's just a between-song chatter, and um. Robert Pollard has like two records like that. I'd love to compile one of those. I think it'd be really entertaining, at least for me. All right, so we had uh, we had both Joe Queer and B Face on it on different episodes, and they both told us about the story where uh, Kim got arrested for smashing the uh, the hotel television. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Was this common? I. I... I can't imagine it was. I can't. I can't see Kim going. Uh, you know, all Motley Crew on a fucking hotel room very no. often. <laughs> so I'm wondering if there's any other, uh, you know, crazy hotel stories or or arrests, or if you could go into this story a little bit. Yeah. Uh, well, first off, that story. Uh, that yeah, that was not an every every night thing. I mean, uh, we did have Kim did have her moments. Um, uh, those were in her drinking days. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that particular story where were we? we were in Alabama, I believe at, uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. And I think that was a show where her and Hugh were taking shots after the show. Um, this thing about being in a rock band, like the bar will generally give you as much alcohol as you, as you want, uh, which is, you know, can be a good or a bad thing. Um, and Kim, you know, when Kim would drink that much, she would, uh, blackout's not the word, but she would kind of go to a different level. And, um, I've been on the receiving end of that where she tried to put my head in a urinal in Austria and where she like, <laughs> you know, I, I remember grabbing her shoulders and like, Kim, get a hold. And she's like, you're trying to strangle me. And she's like, hits me in the face. And, um, <laughs> this is all funny now. It was not, <laughs> um, so yeah, that night, uh, I remember uh, we were still sharing rooms at that point. So that night it was me and Roy and uh, my then wife, Lisa, in one room. And, and we, I remember we got a knock on the door and uh, it was the cops. And they were like, yes. And they're like, um, where's the girl? And we're like, uh, this is the only girl here. And they're like, where's the girl who threw the TV off the balcony? And uh, <laughs> I remember Roy saying, well, here's our TV right here. It's not us. And they went away. And then we were like, oh, shit. What did she do? And uh, – yeah, Kim threw a Kim threw a TV off the balcony and then went and hid with our roadies uh, in their room, where she actually would not have been caught, but she she had to call the front desk to. Uh, and I'm getting kind of story mangled a bit here, but I know she wanted her teddy bear and ended up ended up calling the front desk for some reason to find out where a room was or something, and that's how the cops found her. So. Yeah, she went to jail that night, and we sprung her the next morning. And yeah, that was not—that was the only time any of us went to jail um, on the road. But there was another. 
there was another night in Germany where she threw a ceramic sheep off a balcony. Um, oh, shit. I remember hearing her. She tried to get in my room that night. I remember the cowering in my room, not answering the door. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, we had, we had things like that happen a few times. There was an in-store we did where she decided to drink cough syrup during the in-store and, of course, got very sick. We had to go to the emergency room afterwards. Um, what else? I, like... There was a time where I was, I, I, there was a stretch where I, I was going on stage with a lit cigarette in my mouth, okay, to start the set. Like, I didn't smoke. I just did. <laughs> and I would spit, I would spit the cigarette up in, in the air and, and it came down on a roadie's eye. So he Oof. went to the, he went to the hospital over that. I felt really bad about that. Um, and I stopped doing that. Um, what else? I, you know, uh, a lot of this stuff I blocked out, but, uh. It was it was a uh, never dull on the road. I can tell you that. I don't know that. You can shout them out all you want. We don't listen. We do what we feel like doing. We're not like love in the beach boys. Is uh is there ever going to be like a like a box set or a, some kind of a documentary? Um, I would. You know, somebody. There was a guy in the East Coast who started shooting a documentary. Um, that that really seems like a no brainer. Yeah, this is before whoop doo and actually shot a lot of footage, and he eh, he was trying to move. And anyway, he had some personal things pop up, and it didn't happen. But, um, you know, one day I can definitely see that happen. Um, as far as a box set, that'd be great. I mean, I know there's probably other things we can compile. Um, you know, we never had a live album. Um, I, I, there's not, like, a lot of extra stuff sitting around, but, you know... I, I always wanted to, and, and some of these came out on, on the uh, expanded editions of our first three records that Omnivore did. But, um, you know, while we were around, I wanted to compile, you know, just uh, releases of Kim's demos just because they're so good. Um, you know, often if you hear these demos, you'll, you'll think like, wow, what did, what did Roy and Ronnie contribute? Because they were like, you know, she's a pop songwriter, so so it's not like we jammed these songs, you know, like, you know, we weren't Alice in Chains or something like, like, you know, they have specific parts and, you know, bridges and, and chords that move around and, and, and yeah, her demos are, are, are quite amazing. So I think that would be a good release. Um, I got to ask, is there like a, like a stockpile somewhere of uh, demo tapes? I mean... I'm sure there is. I, I don't, I don't know for sure. I mean, I, I know there's gotta be, and I know one day, um, you know, when, when Kim's husband is ready, I, that maybe we can dig through some of that stuff. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff. I mean, she gave for that Cooley's project, she gave them three demos that were kind of hanging around. And, um, I know they're, um, excuse me, I know they're compiling, like, an, they're, they're, like, making an album, so I don't know exactly what she gave them to work with for that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, Kim wrote songs. It, it's, just because we didn't record a lot of extra stuff as a band doesn't mean she didn't, you know, write a lot or have stuff. She's got to have stuff hanging around, knowing her. And like I said earlier, she, she was recording on that four-track from, like, the late 80s, so you know <laughs> there's a there's a closet full of tapes 
There's got to be a clause. Yeah, yeah, there is. <laughs> there is. But that said, I mean, you know, the best songs are going to rise to the top. So you probably have heard them, but you never know. Yeah, I, I've said this before, but, you know, Kim's best songs are, are absolutely brilliant. And uh, her worst songs are still pretty great. No, and when you're making a record, sometimes a, a song, a good song gets left off because it sounds kind of like another song or you have too many of that kind of song, you know, so who knows? All right, Ronnie, I'll be honest with you here. Um, I was kind of hesitant about uh, about having you on the show, you know. Um, I know time heals or helps or whatever, but... um. You know, Kim's passing was it's it's a hard thing to talk about and and talk about your past with her has got to be difficult, but um yeah. Kim was huge, you know. She was this uh she was this huge star to to all of us and um so I didn't really know how to have you on. Um but then of course uh this benefit came up yeah. and uh I I knew we uh I knew we had to get you on for this. Of course, I'm talking about the uh the ALS benefit that you are involved with uh celebrate the life of Kim Shattuck. It's it's uh it's coming up March fifteenth in L.A. Yes. Um. So yes. whatever you got, whatever you can tell us. I I know there's a there's a shit ton of bands that are kind of uh yeah. related to the uh the Muff family. Yeah. Uh, um. Well, we're having a yeah we're having a Kim. I, I the, the you hear this term all the time now celebration of life. Um. You know, and I hate to use that, but maybe that's what it is. Yeah. We. we you know, Kim Kim had two funerals. Only Kim could have two funerals, by the way. They were both private, but um. You know, there hasn't been anything um, for the public, so so there's that angle too. Um, but yeah, we're having a uh, memorial for Kim, and it's not it's not about like people getting together and doing Muffs covers, even though there is going to be some of that with these bands. But um, yeah, all the acts are, are, are all friends of ours and, and people that have figured in our career uh, at some point. Um, it's at the El Rey Theater on Sunday, March fifteenth. Um, all the proceeds go to ALS Research. All the merch proceeds are going to go to ALS research. Um, Shepard Ferry, the artist who created the Obama hope poster, uh, did the portrait of Kim, you know, created the poster for this, which is unbelievable. Um, looks awesome. Uh, yep. and yeah, it's a uh, red cross Veruca salt. I'm going to leave people out. I know, um, that dog, um, Kathy Valentine from the go-go's Vicky Peterson from the bangles. There's your, there's your, uh, <laughs> um Rob Zabrecki, our magician friend and former musician. Um Pandora's with Hillary up front, the Coolies, uh Kay Hanley from Letters to Cleo, uh Honey Chain. Um Yeah, and me and Roy are hosting it and uh I think me and Roy might play uh, a couple of muff songs with some friends of ours. Um that's not billed, so I can I we can easily back out if we wish. But uh, <laughs> besides that, people are, are, are hosting it, so so we'll be introducing everybody and bringing up friends, and yeah, a lot of people are flying around, flying in from around the world and around the country, and um, it's just going to be a great afternoon. It's an afternoon thing. A lot of the old people have compl- were complaining. Oh, it's on a Sunday. I can't make it. Well, it's a Sunday at three o'clock, so uh, you'll be back home by eight o'clock. You know, if you're if... <laughs> so. Yeah, that's happening. So that's going to be a, a, a great day and, and fun, a lot of fun. And, and it's going to be laughter and tears and everything else. And, and uh, yeah, so. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead of us or anything, but um, this seems like something that could easily become uh, an annual event. Yeah, I never thought about that. But um, yeah, it actually easily could, especially with the, the, uh, 
the charity angle and uh yeah the disease it's a if people don't know what ALS is um you know look it up it's a horrible disease you, you wouldn't wish your worst enemy to have this i mean uh it basically shuts down everything um you know kim wasn't able to move or speak for the last year and a half of her life and um and it's just meanwhile your brain is still 100% on so it's just really cruel and and you know um yeah i i'd get choked up thinking about it but um it, it's just such a shame um so yeah everything we can do to to help the cause um and that's I, I, just thankful to everyone for donating their time and everything and 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 that includes Shepard Ferry, the artist. I mean, all the proceeds from that, it's going to ALS too. And, and yeah, we're going we're gonna to earn some money and have a good time and, you know, celebrate our friend. What a happy day, you tell me and say, and I hear you so clear, I Kim was uh Kim was huge, you know. I think she was a she was a bigger star than uh, any of us ever thought. Yeah, no, the outpouring. I, I mean, I knew it'd be a big deal, but it was it was really a big deal, and 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 just uh, you know, she would have been to to have like Elvis Costello praise her songwriting, and and you know the thing the Who did, and to make the Grammys memorial, which you know, it, it's 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 quite amazing, and and expected but unexpected i don't know it's a testament to our to her talent and our band and you know um as i said to her eulogy i don't know where all these motherfuckers were when they were we were around and they were taking us for granted but uh (laughs) it's nice to uh know that it's nice to know that we have touched people not that we didn't know that anyway i mean you know when when we we were lucky enough to go around the world when people like cry in your presence because you're there i mean you know you're doing something you know, that's special. And, um, you know, I, that's one thing I, I feel about our band. We, we were special. So I'm very proud. All right, Ronnie, I got to say, thanks, man. This is, uh, this has been really special. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on and sharing some of the stories. And, uh, you're, you're an absolute legend in, uh, one of the best bands of all time. Oh, thanks, Nate. Thanks for having me around. Maybe your partner will be around next time I'm on. <laughs> he's going to be pissed, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. He's not here. <laughs> thanks ronnie again so much All right. uh and uh we'll uh we'll talk again soon thanks nate bye and of course the uh the benefit for the uh the als kim benefit thing is uh coming up it's like next weekend i think i think it's sold out i already heard so no need to push it but yeah i think you could probably still donate if you really wanted to yeah so Anyways, man, next week's gonna be really cool. We got uh, we got we got some Reduno stuff next week. Cool. That's all. That's my tease, right? Mm-hmm. Cool guest and Reduno talk. So there you go. All right, man. See you next we'll, week. Uh, yep. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to The Dummy Room. Meet us here next week for another fun episode. Bye bye, baby. There was a time on the first tour we were in Europe, and I was just I was tired of waiting for her every morning. And I don't know what I said, but something, and she ran away. And our roadie found her, and she was sitting in a park on the ground. And she said, I'm not leaving till you bring me Ronnie's head. <laughs> <laughs>